This is the Dwayne Lester Show. I am the Missouri Torch, the all-American blogger, Dwayne Lester. This is the only podcast where the uh, logic and analysis are as infallible as my hair. I'm recording this Thursday afternoon. Right now it's about 20 till 3 central time. The uh, the afternoon before the first Republican debate. Um, and <laughs> uh, according to eat24hours.com, this is Yelp's website. This is a uh, this it's time to sit back and watch the best entertainment on TV this summer Donald Trump. Now, here's the deal with this. This is why I'm bringing it up. From their website, all you need to do is watch the first GOP primary debate and wait for Mr. You're fired to say Mexico. And Eat24 is giving away one free taco every time Trump says the word Mexico during the debate. Think about that. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, they call this the, the best entertainment on TV this summer. Now, before I... This, was, this came out the 4th. I didn't see it till this afternoon. So, um, when I wrote my article at IJ Review, I hadn't seen this. But my premise is is supported by this very much so. Again, this is eat24hours.com, blog.eat24hours.com. This is Yelp's website. The best entertainment on TV this summer is Donald Trump. They're giving away a free taco every time Trump says the word Mexico. And what I wrote at IJ Review couples with this perfectly. It's it's out there today uh, at IJ Review. I, I thought I had it open in, in one of these tabs. I, I've, I've got it open here. I'll, I'll look at it like this. What I wrote at IJ Review, the headline is, President Obama's amazing speech yesterday should be the focus of every Republican in tonight's debate. Now, a lot of people will read that and say, amazing speech. Dwayne, why are you, uh, why are you, why are you praising President Obama's atrocious speech. I mean, he said some very awful things yesterday, and he made a lot of, a lot of Im- incredible statements. And that's why I say amazing, not amazing like wow, that speech was amazing. I'm I'm totally changed. Uh, the, my perspective on this is 180 degrees now, and I'm I'm 100 percent behind the deal. No, no, I mean amazing. Like, did he really just admit? that his deal will give Iran millions of dollars and then admit that they'll actually use it to fund terrorism? Yeah, he did. He actually, so you see, well, here, you can hear it for yourself. The sanctions relief will provide no benefit to Iran's military. Let's stipulate that some of that money will flow to activities that we object to. We have no illusions about the Iranian government or the significance of the Revolutionary Guard and the Quds Force. Iran supports terrorist organizations like Hezbollah. It supports proxy groups that threaten our interests and the interests of our allies, including proxy groups who killed our troops in Iraq. You have to sit in slack-jawed wonder that he would sit there and say, look, yeah, they're gonna possible. And <laughs> John Kerry admitted this too. Make a difference ultimately in what's happening. I'll bet it makes an IED. And I'll, I'll bet it makes a difference to the Israeli family. I bet it makes a difference to them 
Secretary Kerry. I'll bet that money makes a bitch or even explain empathy to a leftist. They don't get it. Republicans tonight, and by the time you're listening to this, you'll know if they do this or not, deal. And this Democrat party is willing to fund, understand it's going to fund terrorism. They understand that this deal will result by Iranian money that they get from this deal. Not only that, they don't... Ultimately, how utilitarian. Only amazing part of the speech. And again, I mean amazing like, did he really just death to America? Did he, did he really do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, just because Iranian hardliners chant death to America does not mean that's what all Iranians believe. In fact, it's those hardliners that are more satisfied with the status quo. It's those hardliners chanting death to America who've been most opposed to the deal. They're making common cause with the Republican caucus. Because, you know, it's just Republicans opposed to this, right? If they're opposed to the deal, why are they celebrating it in the streets? Okay, why are they out in the streets cheering the way the, the Iranian regime pulled a fast one on us? But we're supposed to believe that they're opposed to the deal. Just the hardliners. Everybody else, you know. It's just the hardliners that are cheering death to America, right? Well, not so much. See, the Ayatollah Ali Khamenei loved the death to America chant. And he prayed God would hear and accept the prayers of those people. Quote, uh, I don't remember where I got this. <laughs> but, uh... He said, at Al-Quds Day rallies last week, Khamenei noted appreciatively, you hear death to Israel, death to America. You could hear it. The whole nation was shaken by these slogans. It wasn't just confined to Tehran. The whole nation, you could hear that it was covered by this great movement. So we ask Almighty God to accept these prayers by the people of Iran. The fact is, <coughs> there is no one Khamenei. He could say no, and it would be done. Supreme leader and all, you know. Uh, but he's, he's really in love with the whole death to America, death to Israel thing, and he's not stopping this deal. So the idea that that President Obama wants to come out and say, it's just the hardliners chanting death to America, and they're opposed to the deal. That's a lie. That's a, that's a bald-faced lie. And the fact that he turns around and then compares hardliners in Iran to the Republican caucus, every Republican on stage needs to make it clear that Democrats like Hillary Clinton and Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders love this deal. Now, why is that Why is that so important? Well, especially tonight. When you've got the whole debate and you've got the opportunity to attack someone else in, in your primary. You know, everybody's saying, oh, who's going to go after, who's going to go after Trump? Who's going to attack Trump? Look, this election isn't against Trump. It's against the Democrats. And right now, calm, and they're giving a free taco away every time he says Mexico and calling it 
Well, again, the best entertainment on TV this summer. Because of Donald Trump's presence on that stage, there will be people watching that debate who have never cared about politics before in their life. There are people who will be watching that debate just to see Donald Trump. Now, if Republicans don't have the, the foresight to know this and to take advantage of it and capitalize on it, then frankly, I, I'm stunned. I, I Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should expect that they don't see the opportunity right in front of them. But I think some people will. Some people on that stage will realize that this audience is not the normal Republican audience. This, this audience is not going to be the base. It's not just going to be base Republican voters. There's going to be a lot of people who don't care about politics watching because they care about Donald Trump. And every Republican on that stage can take this opportunity to point out to them, your president is making a deal with the state leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Think about that. We are making a deal with the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And that's, that's not me saying that. That's the State Department saying that. The State Department calls Iran the the headline. Iran remains leading and, and the axis of evil. This is the uh, the Obama administration, and we're giving need to be driving that home, and they need to tie it to Hillary and Bernie Sanders. This is they're they're owning this. They need to they need to own this, and they need to be of a, of the world in order to secure a good legacy for Obama. Because what else could this be about? Nothing. We can't even go in and inspect things. We're not allowed in there. There Republicans need to point all this out because there will be people watching who probably don't. And here's an opportunity that if, if they don't, but the other side is. This is just reckless. This is just irresponsible. It gives them millions of dollars, which we admit they will use to fund terrorism. For president, thinks Hillary praises this. Bernie Sanders call it, calls it great, but this is not great diplomacy. Not by the traditional standards. Not by the traditional definition. Can they take advantage of of uh, what's being said about the Iran opportunity to bring attention to the Planned Parenthood videos? that deals in dead baby parts. Consider that. Here has, has the uh, article. Depressing poll of the day. Public opinion of Planned Parenthood. Now there's a poll that uh, 30% of them heard a little and 32% have heard nothing at all. Writes, a little can mean anything. But even something as small as the headline in this case, Planned Parenthood doctrine. Yet it hasn't. It's just moved five points. Five rubble down from 52 to 50. So you've got this gigantic... They're politically ignorant. They're not paying attention. They're tuning in because they really like The Apprentice or they think, they think they're, they're tuning in to see this. This is an opportunity for other Republicans to point these things out, to educate Planned Parenthood deals in dead baby parts. This is a fantastic opportunity and I hope... I hope at least one of them realizes that this isn't this isn't the time to be attacking Trump. This is a time to be addressing those people out there who who are turning in just to see Trump 
and to educate them on just how radical the left actually is. We're willing to make a deal with the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world, give them millions of dollars, which we admit they will use to fund terrorism, which will end up getting our guys killed. And the Democrats are in bed with a group that deals in dead baby parts. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of Trump's presence and and the crowd that he brings, the unusual debate viewers tonight, and educate them. I only hope that they take the time to do that. Now, there's there's something I need to point out. Uh, Being from Missouri, I have to deal with with Senator Claire McCaskill and some of the stupid things she says. And there's a there's a post at the St. Joseph Post. It's it's an article. I'm not. It's from Missouri Net. Missouri Net, uh, a a local Missouri news outlet here. And the headline is, Missouri Senator McCaskill defunding Planned Parenthood would increase abortions. U.S. Senator uh, Claire McCaskill strongly opposes a bill to bar federal funding from Planned Parenthood. A Senate vote to bring the bill up for debate fell short Monday. Okay, so the Democrats stopped us from funding the, uh, the, uh, the baby parts department of the abortion industry. And uh, McCaskill went on MSNBC and said that taking away funding for birth control will increase abortions. Quote, we all want to prevent abortions. How in the world do we prevent abortions by taking away money for birth control from millions of women across this country? (sighs) Investigate them, Planned Parenthood, and make sure they haven't broken the law. Don't give them tax money for abortions and don't cut off the very way that we avoid abortions in this country. None of this money is used for abortions. It's for birth control, cancer screenings, and sexually transmitted diseases. What a bunch of nonsense. Let's, let's, let's parse this out just a couple sentences at a time. Let's start with the first two. We all want to prevent abortions. How in the world do we prevent abortions? Okay, we all want to prevent abortions. Let's start with the very first sentence. Six words. We all want to prevent abortions. My question when I read that is why? Why does Senator Claire McCaskill want to prevent abortions? I mean, I'm told by the left, I'm told by the radical left, the the pro-abortion crowd, the abortion at any time crowd, that that is a parasite inside a woman. That that is a clump of cells no different than a cancer. I mean, we wouldn't want to prevent cancer, right? We wouldn't want to prevent stopping cancer. Why do we want to prevent abortions? Is it because it's killing something? Is it because it's ending a life? Is it because that you're taking a baby apart? You're actually ripping it apart limb by limb? Is that why? And if that's why, then why are you for it in the first place? It, 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 it is illogical to me to say, I really want to prevent this from happening, but I'm all for people being allowed to do it. I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, if, if it's bad, if it's a violation of someone's rights, which I believe it is, then let's stop it. And there's ways to do that. I talked about that in my last paradigm shift. But this idea 
that we all want to prevent abortions. No, not everyone wants to prevent abortions, Clara. That's, that's a lie. There are a lot of people on your side of the aisle that could care less about babies being pulled apart. There are people on your side of the aisle, Claire, that have no problem with a baby that's past due being delivered feet first, leaving the head inside and sticking scissors into its skull and sucking its brain out until its skull collapses. So not everyone wants to prevent abortions. Some people don't care. Now, if we want to prevent abortions, it's because we feel abortions are wrong. It's because we feel abortions are bad. If Claire thinks that everyone wants to prevent abortions, then clearly she thinks abortions are bad. So why is she even pretending that she supports them? The second sentence, how in the world do we prevent abortions by taking away money for birth control for millions of women across the country? You know what? It's not the government's responsibility to make sure that women across the country have birth control. It simply is not. It's, it's a personal responsibility, Claire. It's a personal responsibility that if you're going to engage in sexual activity and you don't want to get pregnant, you use birth control. If you don't have the money for birth control, maybe you got other problems besides having sex with someone. But it is not, it is not the responsibility of government to make sure that someone doesn't get pregnant. If that, if, I thought we wanted government out of the bedrooms, didn't we? Didn't we want government out of people's lives, out of, out of people's bedrooms? And yet we've got to have government in there to pay for condoms, to pay for birth control pills. This is asinine. Now, I said this on the radio today on WTAD's The Morning Meeting. I said not only is, is, the, is the action of abortion immoral because you are ending a beating heart, because you are taking a baby apart limb by limb and, and ending a life. Not only is that immoral, but the idea that you're going to take, for, take a taxpayer and force them to surrender their property and then take that property and use it to fund something they find morally objectionable, that's, that's as immoral as it comes, man. You are taking, so you're taking government you're taking you're using force against a person you're saying give me your property now i'm going to take your property and i'm going to give it to a third party and that party is going to use that money to kill a baby and then they're going to take that baby apart piece by piece and sell it off and you're funding that how is that in any way moral it, it it's as immoral as it comes but Claire McCaskill says if we don't give them, if, if we don't keep looting the populace to pay for the baby part merchants, then more abortions are going to happen because we're not giving the people birth control and they're just going to get all preggers. And how can, how can you, then you go on. None of this money is used for abortion. So help me with this logic then. If a person can't afford birth control, so Planned Parenthood has to give it to them, how can they how can they afford an abortion? It seems to me that if you can't go to Walgreens and pay pay what is it 10 15 bucks for a thing of birth control pills? If you can't afford that but you can afford an abortion, then 
you don't need our money for birth controls. You need serious counseling. But if money is being used to pay for abortions, then yeah, that's we're funding that. So I don't understand uh, how, how we can say that money's not being used for abortions. I don't know how you can say that someone can't afford birth control, but they can afford to pay for their own elective surgery. It doesn't follow. Now, let's think about something else. You give, you give someone money, okay? Let's say there's a guy in your neighborhood, and uh, he needs help. He, he's, he, he's got a house, and uh, he, needs, he needs help making that payment. So you say, okay, here's 500 bucks. Make your house payment. You see him later that day with a case of beer going into his house. And you stop him and you say, hey, wait, what? Why are you buying cases of beer when you can't even make your house payment? And he turns to you and says, oh, well, that money you gave me for the house payment didn't go to pay for this. Yes, it did. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it did. Because if you didn't give him that money, the money he spent on his beer would go towards that house payment. Same thing here. If they don't have the federal funding, then, yeah, it's going to be paid. They're going to have to do something else. If they don't have the money coming from the, from the uh, federal government, the, the money they spend elsewhere would have to be spent instead on whatever they're spending the federal money on. So let's not pretend that that money is not being reallocated, that money coming from the federal government isn't somehow uh, helping this abortion industry, because it is. It absolutely is. That's just simple. Not only is it that simple, but the fact is Planned Parenthood is independently wealthy. Seriously, according to the, uh, the latest annual reports, it has over $1 billion dollars. With a B, billion, $1 billion in net assets. In 2014 alone, the data shows that Planned Parenthood's revenue exceeded their expenses by $90 million. Why do they need government funds? Oh, it's about, it's about women's health care. It's not about abortion, right? No, Planned Parenthood's business model is centered on abortion. Abortion patients constitute 12%. This is from the uh, SBA list, Susan B. Anthony list. Abortion patients constitute 12% of Planned Parenthood's clients, 332,000 of 3 million unduplicated clients in its most current report. 37% of all Planned Parenthood clinic income revenue is from abortion procedures, according to conservative estimates. They have no mammogram facilities. Well, it's, it's all about women's health, right? Despite claims made by Planned Parenthood CEO Cecile Richards and members of the media, Planned Parenthood does not provide mammograms. They are also not a significant primary care provider in general. In recent reports, Planned Parenthood acknowledges that it provided primary care only to about 19,000 of its 3 million unduplicated clients. And it's trending downward. It's an abortion mill. Let's be, let's be honest. It is a chain of abortion mills across the country, and it's receiving federal money, and that's immoral. That's, it's, 
it, I don't know how to say it any simpler than that. You're taking a gun. You're telling someone to surrender their property. You're going to give it to someone else who's going to use it to fund their business model, which is based on abortions. So let's not pretend, Claire, that that giving them federal funding is not in any way helping their abortion business. And let's stop pretending that if we defund them, abortions are going to go up. And, and finally, let's stop pretending that it's okay to be pro-choice and somehow think you think abortion's wrong. If you think it's wrong, then oppose it. Don't come out and say, well, I'm pro-choice, but, you know, I think it's bad. You know? If it's bad, you, you want to stop it. Now, how do you stop it? That's the question. Because just abolishing it, that's not going to stop it. I talked about that in, in this week's Paradigm Shift. Address the issues. Address the reasons that women are getting abortions. And there are, there are, there are good, you know, they're, they're, they're afraid. They, they have, there's pain involved. They feel this is going to be a financial burden somehow. They feel that this is going to damage a relationship. They, they feel that they're not ready to be a single mom. So the options they have in front of them are to abort or to have the baby. And there's more pain associated with having the baby than there is with an abortion. So when we address that, when we make it less painful to have the baby, then you'll see abortions drop. But it's not going to be through abolition. You you can't you can't pretend. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. You can't pretend that you're going to legislate an end to abortion. You're simply not. You can't outlaw abortion any more than you can outlaw murder. Outlawing it didn't stop it, did it? My goal, and I think every every anti-abortion activist's goal should be to end abortion, not just abolish it. I want to help create a culture, create a country where abortion, you just look at it and go, why would I ever think about doing that? That's not even, I mean, I could have it. There's, there's charities over here that will pay for the birth. Every Catholic hospital will deliver babies for free. Why, why aren't they doing that? Seriously. <laughs> that buckles my mind. I thought about that the other night. Why aren't Catholic hospitals saying, look, we, we value life. Life is sacred to us. And because of that, we are willing to just deliver the babies for free. You don't even have to be Catholic. And if you want, we'll help you set up the adoption. Just have the baby. That would be so simple. I don't know why we're not doing that. There, there, there are ways to decrease abortions that don't involve uh, laws or faceless bureaucrats or, or the use of force. We could easily do it. Now, changing the culture, that's a whole bigger deal. I mean, <laughs> that's difficult. And that, that, you know, you look at what you're up against, you'd, you'd have to seriously decrease the welfare state in this country. And that's when you look at it and you say, that's impossible. But, you know, it isn't. All things are possible under God. You know, you can do this. It can happen. It's just who's going to take that first step? Who's going to be the person to go out and say, look, uh, we need to do this? I say the Catholic Church because they are 
they they make a lot of money. Honestly, they they as I pointed out in my paradigm shift, they have 85 million members in America alone, and each of them give about ten dollars a week. That's 850 million dollars a week in uh, donations, about 44 billion dollars a year. They could, if they made it a priority, they could fund the uh, births. Ever <laughs> think about that? Um, they could every everyone who gets abortions could just not because. You know, there's no financial burden for that. It would be great. It'd be amazing. Uh, so let's uh, let's you know let's work on that. But let's stop pretending that uh, everyone's against abortion because everyone's not. Some people see that as a cancer, as a parasite. They don't see it as a baby. And until that changes, abortion is here to stay. Coming up next, Thomas Leduc sits down with me. Not actually here. He was in Michigan. I was here in Missouri. But he's told the story about Andrew Breitbart uh, over and over again. And I wanted to get him on the record. I wanted him to sit down and, and for a uh, segment of Tell Me a Story, tell me about the time that he gave Andrew Breitbart a tour of Detroit and what Breitbart said that really left him floored four days later. Here's Thomas LeDuc on giving Breitbart that tour. So a long time uh, associate of mine, uh, dare I say friend, no, let's not go that far. Thomas LeDuc joins us today to tell us a story. Thomas, thanks for being here. Well, Dwayne, uh, thank you for the invite. Uh, Let's say it's about time. You polluted polluted FTR uh, many a times uh, appearing, and uh, let's just say it's about time that I stop by here and and talk to you. Are you are you still doing a podcast? Uh, it's on hiatus. Uh, well, oh, hold on. Let me back that up. <laughs> Let me back that train up. <laughs> uh, we do the Snark Factor Monday through Thursday at 8 p.m. live. Uh, Bourbon went on hiatus until August 3rd uh, because I uh, started a new... Uh, no, I didn't start it. I was hired to do a uh, new one um, called Grizz Nation Sundays Live. You're kidding me. You're doing Grizz Nation? Yeah, Grizz Nation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't of uh, Grizz Nation caliber uh, for writing for the uh, the Grizz. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I put in to write for the Grizz. But, well, I'm uh, doing the show. I yeah. actually do the show from 7 to 9. We are live on WHO. Nice. That's right here in, uh, well, not right here, but just north here in Des Moines, Iowa. That's Moines. actually the uh, the station that uh, Ronald Reagan broadcast on. In 1932 to 1937 there, young man. Yeah, yeah. That's good company. So Ronald Reagan to uh, to Thomas LaDuke. And uh, Maury Taylor, who is the Grizz. And wow. uh, yeah, so I, I do that on Sundays now. So uh, my personal podcast uh, is on hiatus till August 3rd, but I'll make sure I have you on and then I can, um, uh, well, I'll mock your hair. <laughs> you know, I used to love, uh, when, when I talk with you, I'd always say, so are you still doing a podcast? And you just get, so, yes, I'm yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I didn't have the right response this time. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. So I uh, will have to talk after this about, uh, uh, you hooking me up with a job at the Grizz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right after uh, you say uh, thank you, uh, Thomas, for showing up, all of a sudden the line will go dead. <laughs> you know, oh, thank you so much for, for all you've done, <laughs> like uh, that time you introduced me to Andrew Breitbart. Right. 
So that's Never. a that's a story we could tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it, it was uh, what was that that blog bash and yeah, that was uh, good times at blog bash. Great event, wasn't it? Yeah, great, great. Well, that's back when uh, you know it wasn't as dirty and. Uh, Andrew was there. He won an award. And uh, you asked me because I'd, I'd had the pleasure of um, having many adult beverages with Andrew and yeah. he showed up. You knew him hey. well. <laughs> Can you introduce me to him? And I went and looked and I couldn't find him. Now, here's the thing. To, just to, to go a little bit further back. I had seen yeah. Andrew at CPAC multiple oh, times. Right. He, he, right. he had come into the uh, Bloggers Lounge. And, and uh, one, one thing in, in, in particular, he came into the Bloggers Lounge. And he gave this big long spiel about needing to uh, to cover uh, what was that deal with the farmers? Pigford. Yeah. And he said, "We, you guys have got to cover Pigford. Pigford's huge. You've got to cover Pigford. 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 Pigford." So it wasn't maybe what a half an hour after that that uh, representative uh, from Iowa, Steve. Steve King. Yeah, Steve King comes in there and he sits down and we sit and talk about Pigford. Remember that? I, I mean, I, I sat down and boom, just right after he said, talk about Pigford, I had the guy who was, uh, you know, very intimate with that story and said, boom, let's do this. Talked about Pigford. So I'm leaving. We just put that in the can, put it out there on the internet. I'm leaving the blogger's lounge with fingers. And here comes Andrew Breitbart. <laughs> and he's with Larry O'Connor. And I just say, uh, Mr. Breitbart, I just want to let you know that I, and I got about that far, and he turned and looked at me and says, I can't talk right now. This is the worst day of my life. And boom, was gone. Because he had just met you. Could be. Could be. I think yeah. That probably added to it. Right. He said, look at my hair. Look at this guy's hair. It's like salt in the wound. <laughs> so... Apparently that he had just been served by Shirley Sherrod, uh, not yeah. long, you know, not much before that. So I didn't get to meet him that time, um, and I I tried to talk to him before, but I thought, hey, here he is at this uh, fantastic event that was Blog Bash, wildly crowded. So I thought if I get to interview him, he's not going to be able to just run off like last time. He'll have to wade through this sea of people. Uh, and maybe I can get a chance to talk to him. And my friend, Thomas LaDuke, knows this guy and can get me in. I mean, he can vouch for me. So, hey, can you introduce me? And you never do. And then he died. Jeez. <laughs> well, that, that that is uh, true. Um, and I did try. I, I mean, I, I went out. So you say. Yeah, no, I did. Because we were in the back area there. And I, I went out looking for him. But he had already left. That was the problem. Mm -hmm. So, and I would have, I would have been more than happy to introduce it. Uh, Andrew, this is a Dwayne the Hair Lester. Andrew, there's a guy who wants to meet you, but if you go ahead and leave, I'll just tell him you were gone. <laughs> Andrew, I'm covering for you. Uh, <laughs> next rounds on you at the bar, okay? Uh, no, no, that didn't happen. No, yeah, but I mean, you know, he was, he was. Uh, he was a busy, busy guy, and that they got him in and out of there uh, probably was uh, one of the more impressive things because he constantly would just stop and talk to anybody, and uh, he he. Uh, well, not done. not not anybody. <laughs> I mean, well, not you, can, you 
you've just had the unfor that he just got served. I mean, you know, that that, that was a bad time. But I'm, I'm telling you, um, I, I was at a number of events with him. Um, the month and a half before he died, he was at three AFP events here in Michigan. And you couldn't keep him on time because he would talk and he would stop and talk to anybody. Well, let's know? let's talk about the, the time he spent in Michigan, because you, you have a great story about taking him on a tour around Detroit. How did how did that even start? How did you get hooked up with giving Andrew Breitbart a tour of Detroit? Well, like I said, he was here for three events in 2012, uh, January, uh, February, and then um what was it two in what one in january one in february and then or two in february right at the end of february um going into march and uh it, it at, at the grand rapids event and the traverse city event we uh we we'd hang out the night before because uh, i was uh, brought up by afp to uh cover it hang out and uh the one time it, we we're sitting in traverse city Snowing outside, we're sitting by a fireplace. There's about five or six of us sitting around, and and he said, "Hey, you're you're from uh, you're from Detroit, aren't you?" And I said, "Well, you know, right near there." He goes, "Well, you know, I'm going to be down there after CPAC, and that and that was a CPAC 2012, the final one that he was at." And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, you know what? I've never been through Detroit. After I'm done with all my official duties, I want you to give me a tour." And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure, not a problem." I could do that, Andrew. Yeah, all right. Now, were you and, thinking that he was actually going to come and do this, or were you thinking this was a lot of talk? I, t- I mean, quite honestly, I didn't know. You see, I mean, and I really, and I tell people this all the time because I have people come up to me and say, "Oh, you know, you knew Andrew and everything." I, I knew him just as an acquaintance. I didn't have his phone number. I don't think he knew my first name. He knew who I was because of FTR and fingers and he knew fingers name because how could you forget that name? But I don't, I don't think he knew who it, but now every time I saw him, he'd, he'd come right up to me, shake my hand. And generally it was like, Hey, where, where's the bar? Oh, it's over <laughs> here. I've been here. I've been here for an hour. Let's go. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, we were pals, but, uh, we were acquaintances. So when he said this to me, I was like, sure. Now, the event happens, and there's only two people left in the presidential, the GOP side. It was uh, Mitt Romney and Rick Santorum. And AFP had originally sold this out for five to 600 people. Well, all of a sudden now, because it's gonna, it's the two last guys in Michigan, uh, the room swells to around 3,500 to 4,000, I believe. And Andrew came in the night before, and this is in Troy, Michigan. And uh, he, he had left, I think he said Houston at 530 in the morning, and he arrived in Detroit at 6. They had a couple layovers and a delay. And the man's just beat tired. I mean, you know you know about the traveling and everything and such. And, you know, you do a four or five hour thing, but, I mean, you're going cross country and 12 hours and everything. Oh, he's just beat. So he gets to the, uh, gets to the VIP event. Literally, uh, a friend of mine, Dennis Pittman, uh, taps me on the shoulder because he has Andrew with him and says, hey, can you take a picture of us, Tom? And I turn around, and Andrew's like, hey! And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, hey, cool. You made it. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a long trip. Took the picture with uh, Dennis, and then he goes, where's the bar? So him and I walked up to the bar, sat there for about 15, 20 minutes, uh, you know, uh, BSing. And he said, um, hey, I still want to tour Detroit tomorrow. And I was like, sure. Not a, not a problem. 
So he then immediately right after the VIP event, he hopped in a car, went to, went to uh, dinner, and we don't see him till 9.30, 10 o'clock. There's a number of us hanging out in the um, the lobby. And uh, Herman Cain and his crew came in. Uh, oh, boy, there were a couple state senators or whatever. But th- it ends up there's about 20 of us, and then Andrew comes in. And, of course, Breitbart comes in. And whether or not he did it on purpose, he always then became the center of attention. Because everybody wanted to hear what Andrew had to say. Everybody wanted to sit next to Andrew and hear what he was saying on whatever the topic was. It didn't matter. You know, it could be about something political. It could be about media. It could be about pop culture, the Dodgers, whatever it was. And we sat there till 1231 in the morning. And uh, Andrew liked red wine. And and he had uh, a couple glasses uh, of red wine. And I thought, you know what? This guy's been up since 530 in the morning. He's going to bed at 1. He's beat. I mean, and he was beat. I mean, he just made the speech at 11 the next morning. And uh, I I really put it out of my mind. I was like, you know what? He mentioned that. I, he's he's going to go right back. He's, he got his hotel room extended or whatever because his flight's leaving at 6. Him and uh, Ann, um, uh, McElhenney are flying back uh, to L.A. I'm not even going to go look for him. So I went up to the press area, and they had this press area up above everything. And I'm hanging out there, and uh, somebody you might know, Robert Stacy McCain, was there. And there was a who's who that flew in because uh, it was the last two, a bunch of DC reporters and everything. And uh, just it's just hanging out there. And then I had somebody hit me up and say, "Hey, Breitbart's looking for you." It's about one o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, "Breitbart's looking for me." So I went downstairs and everything. And he's he just got done with his book signing. He really did look like death warmed over. You know, because he, he you're on the road as much as he is. Um, you know, he was out for, you know, until one after, you know, the flight and everything and such. Um, you don't sleep well. I mean, you know, you're not at home. You're not in your own bed. And he says, hey, you still going to give me that tour? And I'm like, seriously? It's like, yeah. I said, OK. So went and got a car, small little uh, Japanese model. Andrew was felt. And uh, uh, we headed down to Detroit, and I showed him the nice parts of Detroit, and I showed him the underbelly. I gave him the tour. I wasn't going to show him just, oh, look at Detroit. Look at how it's coming back. I showed him. I gave him the tour. Did you go to 8 Mile? Was there freestyle rap involved? No, no, there was not. No. Well, that's unfortunate. It, it was. Um but his wife actually called at one point, and he's like, you wouldn't believe where I am right now. And, you know, from what I could tell, she's like, where is it? Like, I'm in Detroit. She's like, well, yeah, I know you are. No, I'm in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in a city outside of Detroit. I'm getting a tour of the city of Detroit. And just to give you a little bit of the, the guy, he, he was he, he was. Everything you saw on tape, he was in person. He didn't, there wasn't a switch. You know, his wife, when she called and everything, put the daughter on the phone, and the daughter was upset about something um, that somebody had, you know, not washed uh, something correctly. And he goes, Well, then when, you know, I come home, we're not only going to fire that person, we're going to torture them on, and we're going to tape it, and then we're going to watch it over and over so nobody ever screws your thing up again. And you hear her start laughing. It's like, Dad, you know, it's like, what? what? That's what I thought you wanted, you know? 
Um, but I gave him the tour, and we went to eat, and I uh, uh, went to lunch, and uh, he he was on Atkins at the time. Um, and so it was, he got a huge slab of meat, you know, because you can't do bread or anything like that. Um, and so we were just talking shop, just light stuff, you know. What, how did I like living in the area? You know, we talked a little bit of baseball. Um, and I, I, I've told a number of people this because it still kind of haunts me. Um, he, he said something about the traveling. And I, I knew, you know, having seen that he had come in and everything. Um, you know, that he was beat. And he said something, oh, the traveling and everything and such, you know, it, you pay a price with your family and everything. And and so I'm trying my damnedest to try to put myself as somewhat of this man's peer, which, of course, I'm not. And I said, yeah, <laughs> traveling. It did like 12 events last year. And he looked at me, just deadpan, just looked at me. He goes, I think I did 150. And it, it just dawned on me. I was like, <laughs> well, I wasn't actually trying to compare because <laughs> I know you did a lot. And Dwayne, he put his head in his left hand and he just shook his head and he said, I think this is killing me. And he was gone four days later. And that is the first thing that popped into my mind when I heard that I was sitting across. I was sitting five to seven feet away from the man when he basically said that the lifestyle that he was doing, basically crisscrossing the country, talking to anybody to try to motivate them to become more involved, was killing him. And I'm sure that was a large part of it. So, I mean, I didn't know it at the time. Nobody knew it at the time. But that that still kind of haunts me to this day that I, I actually heard that. Um, so we, we went back on the tour and just I know this is uh, telling some stories about it. I mean, I could probably go on for about five hours just what happened. But um, <laughs> we'll get to the uh, the convenience store because that'll end it on a funnier note. Well, there, there's two I want to tell. Uh, the because I had him for about four hours and game. Like I said, the tour we did lunch for about an hour. But I I, mean, I took him everywhere. And um, there's a there's a little there's a park um, in the middle of the Detroit River between Windsor and Detroit called Belle Isle. And so I took him on Belle Isle. It's, it's about a nice 15-minute drive right in the middle of the, the river. It's a nice view. And he, it, during, this, during this time, he probably got about 10 phone calls. And each time he would look at me and say, I, I, I'm sorry, i got to take this. It's not a problem. You're Andrew Breitbart. He gets his phone call. He's like, yeah, uh-huh. Has he agreed to that yet? Yep, yep. No, I'd do it. Nope, nope, Susie will do it. Kids, yeah, won't matter. No, I'm telling you, you get him to sign, let's do it. Don't worry about that, let's do it. Hangs up the phone. And so he goes, I apologize for that. I said, Andrew, not a problem, man. You know, what do you think What do you think of this over here? We have a bunch of deer in the middle of Detroit. He goes, let me ask you a question. He's not even paying attention to me. <laughs> let me ask you a question. You can't say anything about this, Tom. Well, then let me ask you a question. It's okay. He said, if I did an hour show with Anthony Weiner on CNN, do you think people would watch? And wow. I kind of looked at him, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes, no, seriously. He goes, that was my agent. CNN wants to offer Anthony Weiner and I a show 
uh, one hour, one hour a day, five days a week. And I was like, you would do that? He's like, I'd have to fly to New York, have to move the whole family. It'd be a big move, but for the amount of money that they're paying, you know, it'd be well worth it. And I'm like, oh, my God, Andrew, that'd be great. He goes, let me ask, would you watch it? And I'm like, at least for two weeks. And he kind of <laughs> he, he kind of he leaned back and he kind of was like, OK, that's a good answer because you don't know what it's going to be like. So, yeah, he goes, I would probably watch it for six months, but they have to pay me for two years. They can fire me after two weeks. and I don't care. <laughs> Man, so, that would have been a great show. Oh, yeah. And it came out after. Uh, actually, a British newspaper reported that the week that he died. But I was like, I knew that ahead of everybody. It was kind of cool. Um, and then there was the, the, as you said, the gas station. As as we were, as we were um, winding down the tour, and I had to get him back to Troy to get him to the shuttle, take him to the airport. Um, he was like, hey, "Can can you stop over here?" And uh, you know, this gas station here. It's right at Seven and Gratiot. You can Google it. Not a good area. And just the week before, on a Sunday at 1 p.m., a gentleman, an 83-year-old gentleman, had been carjacked after he went to church. So when you're in Detroit in these areas, you kind of have to have your head on a swivel. And so I pulled up in the gas station, you know, every beat-down gas station you've ever seen in a Transformer movie. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there, and... Five minutes goes by, and I mean, I'm, I've got the car running, and you know, my head is really starting to move around now. Ten minutes, now I'm really starting to get worried. I mean, sweat <laughs> on the palms and everything. Fifteen minutes, I go to turn the car off, and I'm going in because I'm thinking, "Oh crap, somebody shanked Andrew Breitbart," and liberals all throughout the country are going to be building statues to me because I'm the idiot that allowed him to go into a gas station in Detroit. And just, I'm not joking, just as I turned off the key, he comes walking out, and he sees me opening the door, and I shut the door really quick. I'm once again looking around, situational awareness, put the key back in, start it. He gets in, he's like, what? And I'm like, you were in there for like 15 minutes, man. What the hell? And he had some water. And I'm like, yeah, what, what, you know, did you get in an argument with somebody or whatever? He's like, oh, uh, no. Uh, well, that, that lamb didn't quite agree with me i had to go to the bathroom and i'm like oh, 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 no <laughs> not here and he he had this he had he had this grin on his face he's like oh are you scared i'm like yeah, this isn't the best area of town man we got to get out of here so uh drove him back um to troy and he and it's kind of funny now that i think about it but last half half hour 15 minutes. Uh, he was like, man, this flight's going to be rough. Oh, I ate too much. You know, I had too much wine last night. Oh, this flight's going to be rough. And I thought, uh, well, I'm glad I'm handing you off. Because <laughs> <laughs> that flight probably isn't going to be all that great. And literally <clears throat> pulled up in front of the uh, Troy Marriott, um, got out, shook his hand. Uh, he grabbed his bags, uh, hopped into the uh, SUV with Ann, and uh, that was the last time I saw him. That's a great story. Great story. Thanks for sharing that with us, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So real quick, real quick, before we wrap this up, where can uh, people find you? You can find me doing all things over at FTRradio.com. And uh, like I said, the Stark Factor, Monday through Thursday, 8 p.m. With uh, your good friend and hero, Fingers Malloy. That's a stretch. But uh, sure, go with that. 
And uh, no, really, I appreciate that was a great story. And uh, I, I do appreciate your time this morning. Absolutely. Happy to do so. What a powerful story. huh? I've heard that one uh, more than a couple times. And every time it, it just the idea of him sitting there and you can feel you can feel the stress that the guy is under. I mean, I know it. I, I'm not saying that I go to hundreds of events, but, uh, you know, up at 3 a.m. every day to do the to do the lowdown, trying to get to bed by nine each night. And you got kids at home, seven kids from my case. And, you know, you feel that that stress and just the stress that you feel in your own life. Imagine what Andrew Breitbart was going through. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's understandable how that could finally take its toll on a guy. The travel, the lack of rest, the the constant stress. Sad. Sad indeed. I want to thank Thomas for uh, sharing that with us. It was a, It's a story, like I said, I've heard a couple hundred times at least, but it, it never gets old because, like, you know, Breitbart's an icon. He's, he's somebody we will never forget, nor should we. Um, we should try to emulate what he does, but... Uh, with some moderation, right? Moderation and everything. I've got just a few minutes left here. I don't know uh, who you're rooting for in this debate tonight. I personally hope that uh, Senator Ted Cruz has a good showing. I like that guy. I kind of wish Senator Rick Perry were there. I am a, a Perry fan. I wish that he. Uh, <laughs> I wish that he hadn't tried to do in uh, in the last election what he did. Try to campaign after back surgery and getting all hopped up on uh, on pain meds. It never works out. If he had campaigned as the Rick Perry that wrote the book Fed Up, I think he would have done a lot better. Uh, I don't know why he's not catching on this time. I could only imagine it's because of the the poor showing he had last time. Plus, Donald Trump has sucked a lot of the air out of the room, and the media has helped him do that. But again, I hope this, you know, at the debate tonight, I just want to uh, double back and, and point out that they have this, because of Donald Trump's presence, they have... More people watching the debate tonight. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say more people watching the debate tonight than they have in any other debate in, in all of the last election. Maybe a couple of them combined. I don't know. They need to take advantage of that. They need to recognize that they have the opportunity in front of them to articulate beliefs that a majority of them hold. Like Uber drivers. Just get to give you an example, Uber drivers. A lot of these guys that I talk with, who knows? They could be, they could be uh, Hillary voters. They could be Democrat voters. But I have yet to meet an Uber driver who is not a libertarian. <laughs> I am not, I'm not kidding you. I have yet to meet a, an Uber driver who is not a free market capitalist. And if they can get out on that stage and articulate beliefs that a majority of Americans hold... The people who are watching just for Donald Trump might look at that and, and have the, that uh, road to Damascus moment and say, wait a second, I agree with these guys. I, I, I agree exactly with what they're saying. Why am I voting the wrong way? I had that moment. I had that moment sitting and listening to, to Michael Reagan and Mancal Moeller right after 9-11. Listening to Michael Reagan thinking, wait a second, I, I, I agree with this guy. And it wasn't long after that I caught myself listening to Rush Limbaugh and saying, yeah, yeah, that's right. I agree with that, too. Why am I voting for Democrats? I pray, I honestly pray that these guys on that stage recognize what Donald Trump has given them. He has given them a brand new audience. 
he has given them the opportunity to spread the message of conservatism. I, I genuinely hope they don't squander it. I hope they don't sit on that stage and, and, and level petty attacks against one another. Just use the stage and use that opportunity to educate the new people watching. That's all I want to say. I want to appreciate, I, I want to appreciate you. Oh, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast and for downloading it and for uh, tuning in to WAAR, uh, We Are America Radio. Thanks again to Wayne Dupree for giving me a spot here. We did have some trouble with the website this week. It was down, and we believe, honestly, it was hacked. Um, we have no evidence, but it wasn't a server issue. I can tell you that. The rest of the websites on that particular server had no problems, but DwayneLester.com completely nuked. So... That tells you that it was targeted and that it was probably not uh, just uh, random. But we're getting it back together now. Unfortunately, everything that I put on there since uh, we moved to DwayneLester.com is lost except for the videos and the podcast, which are hosted on YouTube and Facebook and uh, SoundCloud. So we can get those back on there. But we're moving forward, putting the new theme back together, and... Uh, renewed focus on uh, backing up that server <laughs> so so it's going to be uh, it's going to be good i want to again thank you for listening thank you for taking the time to download next week i intend half hours every day this week got a little out of hand with everything but until next week take care and god bless <laughs>